Robots Radio presents Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. Hey, I can look at myself naked. Are you stoned or something? They tried stoning me, my dear. It did not work. He likes to create his own sauce. Well, did you sleep with a man who also slept with mom and grandma Catherine? What? You slept with dad? All right. Which one of you sardines calls this meat? Whatever, major loser. Let the party begin! Hello, and welcome to Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. The sequel that you didn't necessarily ask for, but you kind of gl- you're kind of glad you got some closure. That's Chad Echowitz. And that's Simone LaRue. That really applies to this podcast as well, seeing as it's the sequel to the original, yes. it's not that bad. <laughs> it's a rebranding, okay. <laughs> that's so LA of us. <sighs> Uh, but it it works, and I think you know the the this this two point podcast mm. has been absolutely fantastic. We've done an incredible job with what we've done, even if I say so ourselves. No, definitely. I think we finally hit our stride with this one. We were able. It's not like the first one where we spent maybe the first ten episodes just floundering, trying to understand mm-hmm. podcasting. Uh, you know, we just hit the ground running with this one. Exactly. It's it just made it a much more professional atmosphere as it continues to be as we go along. Every single episode is just the... the Some have described it as the top-class journalism that we've always wanted from the <laughs> Times magazine, and I completely agree with that. <laughs> that is why we've been on the cover of Times several times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's actually getting a bit boring now Ugh. when they phone us up. I'm like, again? I guess, well, to be fair, there's not that many other role models that we have out there. <laughs> It's like us and The Rock. And Malala Yousafzai. I don't know who that is. She won a Nobel Peace Prize. She got shot in the face for fighting for education for women under Taliban rule. Damn, I need to educate myself. That's bad. We'll cut that bit out. She's a very influential woman. No, no, keep it in, keep it in, because this is this is what we're trying to educate our people on, you know? It's about not knowing things, educating yourselves about these important things, and growing as a person. And that is what we all need, especially during this time, is it not? That's true, that's true. There's nothing wrong with not knowing things. Exactly. Case in point, myself right now. <laughs> Ignorance, but I've just been taught a lot, I'm gonna read into that. She actually and just it'll be graduated really, like... from Oxford, like, this week. Oh, wonderful. Okay, I'll uh, I'll do some research afterwards and come back with a book report for next episode. Thanks. <laughs> yes, please. I know you're a pretty strict strict grader, so I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm hoping for a B plus. I just want to make sure you understand all the themes of the story. Oh, uh, but can't I just watch the movie? <laughs> <laughs> if we learned nothing else from the Scarlet Letter last week, you cannot. <laughs> that is very very true. Um, but we've moved on yes. from that into horrible sequels, Simone. What are we doing this week? We are doing Maleficent 2, Mistress of Evil, which was a long time in coming. And we are doing (laughs) the star of the show, I think, uh, American Psycho 2, All-American Girl. You know what? I'm just going to put it out there right now and I say American Psycho 2 was way better than American Psycho. I can't punch you because you're far away. And I know (laughs) that you're joking, but... But the rage is real. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fun, and I'm pretty sure I can, like you said before we started recording, I, you can bet that 99% of humans, not just a le- yeah. let alone the, like people who listen to this podcast, have never heard of this movie before. And you're about to find out why, friends. <laughs> exactly. So let's decide who goes first. What are you drinking this week? I <laughs> have made a drink that, much like these <laughs> movies, is unnecessary and extra. <laughs> 
Oh, a themed drink. This doesn't happen very often. So instead of my usual whiskey, I'm having a bit of an old-fashioned. Oh, that is very extra. Oh, oh very nice. Do you want to tell the people how, how it's made, just in case they don't know what's in you an old-fashioned? You put some ice in a glass, you put some brown sugar on the ice, you soak the brown sugar with bitters, then you pour whiskey mm-hmm. over... And you're supposed to just spritz an orange peel over the whole thing so that there's, like, a whisper of orange. But I've just left it in there. Like, come on, live a little. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> insane. Who has the time and the energy to just whisper yeah. orange over things? I think I, that's the dumbest thing I've I ever I overdid it a little bit on the bitters. But mm-hmm. they're pretty good bitters, so I'm not mad about it. No, fair enough. So this week I am drinking a Toro Loco going after you with the red wine theme, something that I don't do very often because no. red wine makes me a little little catatonic, <laughs> uh, which is kind of the opposite of what you want in a podcast, yeah. but I don't plan on drinking that much. Mm. Uh, so it's called a Toro Loco. It's a, it, oh, wow, that was horrible white pronunciation, Toro Loco, <laughs> uh, and it's uh, a, a Merlot. Okay. And it comes in at 12.5%. It's actually quite nice. I'm not a fan of red, oh, really? but this is actually quite I love good. a good Merlot, yeah. as you know. As mm-hmm. anyone who's listened to this podcast for a reasonable amount of time knows. Exactly, exactly. So, so twelve point five percent. Does that that can't be your whiskey? No, by any and especially because bitters also has some alcohol in. So I added alcohol really? to okay. alcohol. Yeah, that's a fun Sunday drink. Woo! <laughs> right. So talk talk to me about Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Okay. Uh, which, by the way, got 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, but an audience score okay. of 95%. Whoa. So people wow. actually really okay. liked it. And then critics really Slated hated it? it. Wow, okay. And we'll get into it. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, so this movie obviously takes place after the events of the first Maleficent. Maleficent is played by Angelina Jolie, who is sort of trying to adjust to life with Aurora, played by Elle Fanning, who, you know, is taking on royal responsibilities with not a lot of experience because her dad died in the last movie. Mm -hmm. Her one true love, Prince Philip, played by Harris Dickinson, proposes to her. She is thrilled but maleficent is less thrilled because he's a human and she doesn't trust humans after all the horrible things that they've done to oppress fairies however it seems like prince philip's parents queen ingrith played by michelle pfeiffer and king john played by played by robert Lindsay, are keen to make amends and start fresh with uniting uh aurora's kingdom with prince philip's kingdom i could not tell you the names of either it does not matter so they invite maleficent to a friendly in-laws dinner Except it's not so friendly. Queen Ingrid has a secret <laughs> hatred towards fairies, and is it, it is very rude to Maleficent, eventually causing Maleficent to have a, a little bit of a temper explosion. And she uses the confusion <laughs> to, at the same time, poison her husband, King John. She then accuses Maleficent of, of casting a curse on him, and Maleficent flees, but not before getting shot with kind of an early equivalent of a gun, but it's filled with iron. Mm. Um, luckily, she is rescued by a mysterious man. It turns out that the man who rescued her was Connell, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. He takes her to the island where he lives that is filled with dark fae who look exactly like Maleficent with the horns and wings. He tells her that this is their final refuge because humans have taken all of their other habitats. 
he is keen to try and negotiate peace with the humans so that they can live together peacefully. However, his clansman, Bora, played by Ed Screen, has different ideas. He believes that the only option is to start a war with the humans and take back their lands by force. Maleficent, rightly angry and upset over the fact that she has just lost her daughter, who seemed to have sided with uh, Queen Ingrith and didn't believe Maleficent when she said she was innocent. Maleficent's really angry about this, so she's really torn on whether she wants to do war or try and work for peace because she does love Aurora a lot, and if Aurora's okay, maybe other humans are. At the same time, Aurora and Prince Philip are moving forward with their wedding plans. The whole time, Queen Ingrith is being really, really dodgy. She's like, totally invite the fairies over, and it turns out that she has a secret (laughs) lab underneath the castle where she's working on ways to be able to kill fairies very quickly. Eventually, she, uh, her assistant works out this basically chemical warfare bomb that immediately takes the life out of fairies. The big wedding day arrives, a bunch of the fairies from the moors are invited into the church, and then the doors are closed and they start firing this horrible powder all over the place. Connell is leading a charge of the Dark Fae on the castle at the same time, thinking that because all the royals from across the land are there, it would be a perfect place to get started with a war and strike some killing blows. Uh, when they arrive, they, are also, they also start getting hit with this magical powder. It's really horrible. Maleficent decides to join the fray. Uh, at the same time, Aurora figures out what is happening and starts trying to stop it with the help of Prince Philip. All of this culminates in a couple of... Um, <laughs> main and beloved characters dying off. Uh, Eventually, Maleficent is able to confront Queen Ingrith on the tower. However, Queen Ingrith manages to strike Maleficent with a poisoned arrow, and she turns to ash. Aurora is so devastated, she begins weeping over the remains of Maleficent, and um, Queen Ingrith explains her plan to change the legend so that Maleficent is the evil person in this story. Unfortunately for her, Aurora's tears are magic because she loves Maleficent so much. Maleficent reawakens as a giant ashy phoenix. She takes everyone the hell out. (laughs) She saves the day. She stops the war. She saves everyone. Queen Ingrith is no more. And... Aurora and Prince Philip are free to carry on with their wedding, which they do basically immediately. Yeah, yeah, it feels pretty immediate after the genocide. uh, Interspecies tensions are over. The end. They stole that ending from Pokemon. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say about that. Does that make Maleficent Mewtwo? Uh, No, no, she's P. No, she's she's Ash because Pikachu cried on Ash's rock hard Mm. stone body. And turned him back into normal, which makes the evil queen, not Maleficent, the evil queen, Mewtwo, and the king, Mew, which is kind of adorable. Oh. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. What's your cliffhanger? Um, My cliffhanger is going to be this. We're having a wedding! We have to tell our parents. Do we? <laughs> yeah, it is good. Look, I think that's the great thing about this film is like there are little comedic moments which are just fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you how do you feel about this film? What, what are your thoughts? I was really ready to not enjoy this movie, mm-hmm. and then I did. I enjoyed this yeah. movie quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I hate myself a lot for feeling betrayed by myself. Mm. You know, I assumed I was going to hate it, 
and I was ready to hate it, and then I found myself, like, chuckling, mm-hmm. and, like, really enjoying the characters, and really enjoying the scenery, and I, yeah, I kind of want to go back and watch number one, because yeah. I have not watched it. Oh, you haven't have seen you... it? No. What did I you... loved what the happens? first one, actually. Okay. Like, I really, unironically, genuinely enjoyed it. I thought it was really beautifully done. I thought it was a really interesting mm-hmm. take on the character, and showing why she just trusts humans so much. Um... And, I mean, visually, both of these movies are just gorgeous. Like, all these, yeah. like, dark elements from Maleficent with the crows and her outfits and everything are incredible. Oh, yeah. And then you also have, like, these beautiful, like, fairy tale lands and obviously Elle Fanning looking beautiful. And, mm-hmm. like, visually, like, you just can't look away from this movie. It is so gorgeous. No, it is. It is really, really stunning. I think that's the first thing you realize, like, as you're going through the moorlands mm. and, like, you're seeing all these fantastic creatures and everything and it's just beautiful. It is truly, truly beautiful. And even, like, the fae cave yeah. when when Maleficent's, like, taken away to the cave is super cool. Yeah. And, like, all of that is just really, really fantastic. And they do such a good job with the visual um, spectacle yeah. of it, which is just really, really fun. And, and, yeah, I mean, those tree people were cool as well. And, yeah. I mean, that costumes as well like oh yeah all of the co- i mean not even just maleficent like the queen i mean you know michelle pfeiffer is like one of my favorite actresses of oh, all yeah. time i love her so much she's so oh, beautiful yeah. like all of her dresses were just <laughs> so stunning everything that mm-hmm. the, like the jackets that the prince and the king wore mm-hmm. all of it was just beautiful yeah all of all of the queen uh the the princess's dresses as well mm. were just like stunning like the wedding dress that the that the fairies made for yeah, her was just gorgeous so in its pretty. like simplicity it was so nice it was so so pretty it kind of reminded me a little bit of um megan markle's wedding dress like a little bit yeah and i wonder if that yeah, was a little yeah, on I could purpose see that. <laughs> i whatever could you mean could it be <laughs> that the queen is an absolute fascist mon- monster <laughs> Poor Megan is just the sweet, sweet girl from the Moors. You could almost compare it to another wonderful princess who was taken out before her time. Who knows? Down with the royals. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Y'all didn't deserve Diana, and you don't deserve Megan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Why do we have a monarchy? Anyway, um, I enjoyed the story as well. It wasn't just like about yeah. the visuals with this one. Like, I think the, the actual story was really interesting. I thought, you know, the whole evil queen kind of vibe was really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was just really, really, you know, sad as well. Yeah. Because there was, you know, effectively a genocide in yes, this Disney movie. Yes, it was very dark. I, I was surprised. Like, um, you know, when all the fairies get locked in the church and they start launching those little mm-hmm. uh, chemical warfare bombs, I was like, no, someone's going to save them. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a kid's movie. And then, like, they just straight yeah. up started dying. It yeah, it's, uh, dark. It's really there were intense. real stakes and consequences. Yeah. Can you imagine having to, like, like as a parent, like, explaining genocide to a kid because of this movie, and then you just roll it right to the Disney company, you're just like, dear Mr. Disney, <laughs> uh, I had to explain genocide today because uh, of your movie, Maleficent, Queen of <laughs> Mistress of Evil. So, thanks for that. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> your kids are going to learn about genocide eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a that's not a good excuse. <laughs> that's a great t-shirt in our ever-growing and ever-expanding brand of t-shirts. Vaguely just, threatening. Well, yeah, well, you're going to learn about genocide eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I feel like that's is something that, any... that gets you pulled aside at airport customs. Oh, yeah, as it rightly should, yeah. as it rightly should. Um, yeah, but it's still, it would be a really interesting, threatening t-shirt. I think as, like, if you were in, like, a military position, that's a great power move. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure that's a war crime. Well, it's it's a war threat, all right, Simone? Let's not, <laughs> It's uh, a diplomatic you know, incident. To... Yeah. <laughs> You're just threatening genocide. You're not actually going through with it. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> Is there anything you particularly didn't like about this movie? Um, you know, Maleficent, I feel like she lost a lot of agency towards the whole middle of the movie. Like, she's not super involved in the middle of the movie. Like, she's there at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and then she shows up at the end, obviously, to, like, save the Mm -hmm. day. But the whole middle, she's just, like, sort of looking kind of confused and sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, she's such, like, a fucking badass, and she knows herself, and she knows, like, Mm -hmm. what's right and what's wrong, and I guess it's, you know, character growth that she reaches a point where she's like, maybe I don't know everything, maybe I need to, like, consider, but, like, the fact that everyone's like, no, Mm -hmm. you know who you are, blah, 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 like, yeah, she does. (laughs) This is such a ridiculous, weird Mm -hmm. way to get through to her. (laughs) Yeah, it's it seems like a really strange arc from what you've said, you know, in the fact that, like, if at the end of the last movie she's really comfortable with who she is and she knows what's up, yeah, it's a very weird arc to take that away from her and then reinstitute it. It almost feels very lazy, yeah. like story wise. Yeah, I mean, even uh, like, know. I mean, it was cute at the beginning where she's like trying to figure out how to be nice uh, to the parents because she loves Aurora so much yeah. and she doesn't want to embarrass her. Like that's really really sweet, but at the same time, yeah, sort of the Maleficent that you meet in the first movie would never be embarrassed to be herself yeah exactly so so it kind of just destroys that whole yeah that whole thing it was a weird little moment and i understand that they did it like to move the plot along and maybe introduce some brevity uh but it felt (laughs) a little it seems it seems really silly you know i i get that the movie's supposed to be about her but clearly like the protagonists were supposed to be uh the princess and Mm. and the and prince philip and everything so like and it felt like there could have been like a greater story arc yeah. with her kind kind of growing and and finding maleficent as this great role model about yeah. you know being who you are and understanding what you are and never being ashamed of that because it's very clear from the movie that she is yeah in the fact like the queen keeps trying to like replace all of her like yeah fairiness and turn her into this like very human kind of thing yeah. and it's and it's yeah it would have been a better story arc for her to be like um no my mum raised me right yeah. and she was like just be who you want to be so especially because she's like my mom's like a weird goth and not once has she forced me to wear black so mm-hmm. so why you why you tripping yeah honky grandma <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I mean, if there's not much to to, to speak no, about in terms it's... of the bad stuff, and and you know, we're really giving this a a glowing review. Yeah, yeah, you can see why it got ninety ninety what ninety one or ninety seven ninety five ninety five. That's a crazy good score. Yeah, and I think it's justified. Like, yeah. well, maybe a bit lower, but it is pretty justified. I think, especially like you know, it's made for children, <laughs> um, and I as a, as a child, <laughs> yeah. like just the visual aspects alone of this like i i think it's a really great movie to mm-hmm. watch with your kids or just even to watch by yourself don't be weird about it no absolutely yeah it's just it's just fun it's just a really fun story yeah um so so is there a scene that could have saved it for you um i think uh, like we mentioned already just like the weird little character arc that they gave maleficent mm-hmm. i feel like it, they could have fine-tuned it a bit and 
just written slightly better dialogue around it because I do understand, you know, this sort of fight in her nature between how much she loves Aurora, but also like how she's been burned by humans in the past. And like her loving Mm -hmm. one human doesn't necessarily mean that like all is forgotten. All humans are good. Um, Yeah. And that's a really interesting concept and character thing to explore, but they just don't do an amazing job of it. And in order to get it right, they end up making her character really weird and inconsistent. Yeah. So it would be nice if they'd, you know, just thought it through a little more. Yeah, yeah, just spent a little bit more time on the script and, like, a decent story arc. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, what's yours? Uh, For me, it's definitely Prince Philip needs to stop being a little bitch. Yeah. Like, I really... I really hated him as a character. He's just, like, so white bread about the whole thing. And he's just like, eh, my dad's dead and my mum's a also, it's horrible like, human. How did you not know your mother was evil? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, you know, you've grown up with this woman. Empirically, you should know. You must have like, had an just, Or you can get, like, vibes. Yeah, exactly. Like, ooh, this woman kind of is a bit racist towards Morland folk, so... Like, are we supposed know, to believe ooh. she didn't say a single problematic thing at the dinner table once in his entire childhood? That's the thing, she says, like, eight triple problematic things, like, as she's sitting there with Maleficent. Like, that doesn't just, like, come out of nowhere. Yeah. That's pretty practiced. So, yeah, it's... It's, yeah, it's it's very weird. Like, his whole character, she doesn't defend the prince... He doesn't defend the princess once. Yeah. Like, he's just kind of a div. Like, he's just, yeah. he's just useless. You think he'd and be like, Mom, like you're being character. really fucking rude right now. Like, could you not? Because that's what yeah, Aurora's doing to, to her king. mom. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's supposed to be this king, and he's just like, ooh, ooh, everything's going wrong, and it's just boring. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. boring. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, I'm not a fan of him, and I just think he should have been better, and been, like, especially, like, now, especially Disney is on this, like, really great track of, you know, couples who are teammates instead of just damsels in distress, dealing with these heavy issues. It would have just been really cool to see him be like, look, you're amazing as a human being, my mom's a bitch, let's (laughs) just be cool together, and I will always support you, and your mom, who I know is not crazy, and she's not evil, and yeah. I need to actually check my mum in and make sure that she knows how good she is. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It would have been much cooler. Like, I understand this is supposed to be, like, a very female-led movie. <laughs> Disney loves its little girl power moments. Mm-hmm. But it would have been cool also Easy to show... I mean, it's for kids to show them, like, what a healthy couple looks like. No one has to be the star in a couple. Yeah. Um, You're yeah. a team. And it would have been... You're absolutely yeah. right. It would have been really cool to see them work together as a team exactly it's as simple as that and i I think they they lost some serious points there um so would you watch it again you know i would i'd watch i'd watch the first and second one together do a little marathon just take in all the costumes and the makeup and the backgrounds and like fill my head with beautiful thoughts yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Like, I'm really excited to go back and watch Maleficent oh, one now, love it. and then watch this one again. Like, Do you know who's in it? Yeah. Um the South African actor who was in District Nine. Okay. You know, you know the one I mean. Yeah, yeah, with the mustache and the curly hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Does he have like a big part? Or he is plays it, like... the King Stefan. Oh, lovely. He has like a Scottish accent. It's real fun. He's really good. Oh, wonderful. Okay, I'm excited for that. I'm definitely going to watch that. I would say his performance is like almost a little Shakespearean. Like it's very like thespian. 
Awesome. Yeah. Excited for that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Giving this a huge sort of positive review. Yes. We really enjoyed this, and I, I think the critics were wrong. I think they yeah. were a bit too harsh on this children's movie. Definitely. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for making me watch this. Like, I really do. I say that every yeah, week. Yeah, you but were I so hesitant it about it time. too last week. You were like, "Oh, fine, I'll watch Maleficent." I really was. Like, this is you know we've been doing this for a very long time now, and this is the first week where I genuinely didn't want to watch either of these movies. Yeah. Like, it took me so long to actually sit down and watch them because I just really, really didn't want to. Um, but I'm so glad that I did watch Maleficent now. Like, so happy about it. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. To find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. And with yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> and with that, let's go straight back down into the awful land. The true meaning of this podcast. Let's do it. Are you excited? I'm not. <laughs> well, <laughs> Chad, why don't you take us through the very complex plot and motivations of uh, American Psycho Two? All American girl. Yes, I will. This film, this film got eleven percent on the tomato meter and eighteen percent on an audience score. And that is generous. Uh, that is very, very generous. Like what a like this this film shits on everything American Psycho is. Okay, here we go. This story centers around a young woman called Rachel Newman, played by Mila Kunis. One day, when Rachel was still quite young, her babysitter brought her along on a date she was having with one Patrick Bateman. For those of you who have never seen American Psycho, Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, is a highly successful Wall Street broker who who loses his marbles and kills everyone, and starts killing everyone. (laughs) So, Rachel is sitting at the dinner table when Bateman ties her to the chair and starts to brutally torture and murder her babysitter. Somehow, Rachel gets free and she kills Bateman, and then somehow flees the scene without anyone seeing her jumped to 15 years about later, and she's now attending a prestigious university with the most renowned criminal psychiatric class in the country. Rachel attends this class, taught by Professor Bob Starkman, played by William Shatner, in the hopes that it will be her one-way ticket to Quantico, the training facility for the FBI. She is a top student with excellent extracurriculars and just seems to be an all-round brilliant girl. In order to secure that position as a trainee FBI agent, Rachel realizes that she will have to become Starkman's teaching assistant for the next year. Starkman was was the FBI's best criminologist until he cracked under the pressure of his last case, which just happened to be the Bateman murder. Having this on her resume will pretty much guarantee her enrollment into the FBI. The problem is, she has some pretty pretty steep competition. First of all, there's Brian, played by Robin Dunn, 
who is the rich kid who coasts through life on his father's money. He is willing to donate millions of dollars to the university just to secure this job. Then there's Cassandra, played by Lindy Booth, who is Rachel's best friend, but is also sleeping with Starkman, which pretty much gives her a huge advantage because it will give the two more time to sex each other if she was the teaching assistant. <laughs> Finally, you have Keith, played by Charles Officer, who matches Rachel grade for grade and seems to be the only other person in the running who, is ge- who has a genuine ambition to be Stark's TA, Starkman's TA, rather than just have some ulterior motive. Rachel is worried about her chances and so does what any normal sane person would do in order to secure the spot. She starts to systematically murder each and every one of her competitors. For some reason, in the middle of all this, she goes to see a psychiatrist, played by Geraint Wine Davies. That's so wrong in the pronunciation, but <laughs> meh. <laughs> After the first meeting, he is so scared of her that he phones Starkman to warn him that one of his students, though he can't say who because of patient privilege, is a textbook sociopath. For some reason, Starkman believes that the, psych- uh, the, the psychiatrist is talking about Cassandra and not Rachel. Rachel eventually kills everyone she needs to kill, including Starkman, and while in a, pl- in a police pursuit, drives her car off a bridge. The police believe that she is dead. Who, uh, we also learn that Rachel is not, in fact, Rachel, but the real Rachel was killed by this woman in order to take Rachel's place at the university to get closer to her goals. Years later, the psychiatrist is signing books because he's made a fortune off of Rachel's story when Rachel walks up to get her book signed. She's faked her death and is now working with the uh, at the FBI as the l- youngest agent to ever join the Bureau. The end. I mean, there's so much to choose from, but what's, uh, what's your cliffhanger? Can I just put the whole movie in here? Just because everyone deserves to listen to this movie. More and especially, than guys, you won't be wondering what's happening because there's a handy <laughs> voiceover where Rachel narrates all her thoughts. Every single one. They've taken the oldest and laziest plot device in the world and they have made it even lazier. It's unbelievable. And I mean, it goes to my cliffhanger, which is this. It's like they say. The brightest futures are based on forgotten pasts. In the end, I did put Dr. Danielson a bit of a pickle, but you've got a gift to take, you know? He gets his national bestseller, which is ever so flawed. I wonder how he sleeps at night knowing they still walk the streets. Me? I need for him to know. I mean, what's the point of pulling off the perfect set of murders to realize my dream if there isn't someone alive who knows about it? It would be as if I've done nothing at all. Which is the um, final voiceover she does where she's explaining all about her, like, murder plans and the fact that, like, the psychiatrist has now been able to, like, make a book deal off of it so she he's not going to tell anyone and, like, all that nonsense, which makes you wonder and think, wait, what? <laughs> but just, why wouldn't he tell the police? That's... The what? best way for him to get a, to publish a sequel. Like, what oh a fool. God. And, like, oh, where, the whole movie where? just falls apart immediately. This is called a dumb, dumb plot where, like, none of this would have happened if everyone else in the movie weren't an enormous dumb, dumb. <laughs> like, this whole... Everybody's actions in this movie... First of all, I mean, the dialogue is... Not human dialogue. Like, people don't talk to each other like this. Like, the dialogue is genuinely no horrible. And then, 
everybody's just like, it's so weird. So she murders her one classmate. He's a really rich dude. And like, there are no yeah. reactions to any of the murders on campus. She kills the one dude None. in the library. And like, no one's like, oh my yeah. God, someone yeah. murdered someone in the library. There have to be cameras places. Even like her first like origin story murder at the beginning. A woman sees yeah. a little girl leave the apartment where... Like, a murder scene is found a couple days later, and we're supposed to believe that, like, first of all, she didn't say anything. Second of all, that her parents wouldn't have been like, oh, that's the babysitter that was watching our daughter that night. Like, every single one of her murders is so poorly executed. Like, it is... It is bonkers that she, like, like you said, it is a dumb, dumb plot because of that, because none of this makes sense. Yeah. None of it makes sense. Okay, first of all, like, you're you're completely disregarding the whole of American Psycho Oh my 1 god. Because, because Patrick Bateman doesn't die at a young girl's hand. He's, like, killed by the police or something, or, like, he kills himself, I can't exactly remember. But he, he dies in some very other way, and it's sort of like, okay, so now we've just got to believe this nonsense that's happened, yeah. and, like, she killed killed him she you know this tiny little 12 year old girl was able to take out the at that stage probably about 260 pound patrick bateman christian bale but yeah okay fine we'll ignore that that's fine okay so then you got rachel who she kills in the beginning who was called in in a missing persons so that means that even though she's an orphan people know about her and care about her enough to call in a missing persons Mm -hmm. and yet none of her friends check on her none of the friends are like oh well what happened with this missing persons and the police are like oh she was there and no one checks on that what and then so you know on top of like (laughs) The fact that they, like, barely did research into serial killers because all of, like, the lectures <laughs> this guy does are, like, stuff that you could learn listening to a standard true crime podcast. Gotta love Or them. vaguely browsing the Wikipedia page on serial killers, which is what I assume they did, and they just randomly clicked on Ed Gein for one pointless monologue. Um, oh, yeah. They also did no research into what universities are like because... You know, at the beginning, the secretary is like, you can't be a TA, you're a freshman, which obviously. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, And she's like, no, I'm on a schedule. It's like, yeah, but you still have to finish college. Like, you still have to do a degree. Yeah, exactly. And that also confused me, right? Because this class has like freshmen and seniors and sophomores. And it's kind of like... Wait, so but it's wait, just hold one on. course? Like, you don't do it over a couple years? There aren't, like, you know, you don't build yeah, on the it's... knowledge of the previous year? It's just, like, one profiling course and suddenly you can go to Quantico? Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those, you know, those lucky dip packet courses <laughs> that, you know, every university has. You know, that one course that just anyone can do because, you know, it's there. Like, what is that? What is that? And all they had to do to address this minor plot hole was start the story where she's maybe a senior in college, and this is her final mm-hmm. year. And she it's mm-hmm. already so creepy that the professor's banging her, like, 18-year-old friend. Like, you can just move yeah. that age up, make everything a little less weird, less creepy, make it make mm-hmm. more sense. Yeah. Yeah, and then it would be fine. And we could all kind of half believe, even though you've already shit on the first movie, the movie on which this is based on, you know, 
that's fine. Cool, go for it. I also want to talk about the condom murder. So she, for those of you who <laughs> have never so watched stupid. it, which, she's so fucking which is so stupid. stupid. Okay, for those of you who have never watched this movie, which is pretty much everyone, everyone. except you, me, and maybe M- Mila Kunis. Yeah. Um, he, he, she, she kills uh the 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 rich guy using a condom and like kind of garrots him with it. Yeah. Now. Condoms are not very strong, hence why on the packet it says 99.9% effective, because they break. To garrot someone with a condom... On top of it being gonna break. Yes. Yes. What kind of defunct, crazy strong condom is this? And then on top of that, she walks to her best friend's room and asks her for a condom her friend questions her later and is like hey did you hook up with that guy and she's like no he went home after dinner because obviously she needs an alibi and her friend's like but you came and asked me for a condom Mm. all she had to do was garrote him with literally anything else to seal up her alibi but no no because it would be an amusing point to make in this weird movie We'll just strangle him with a condom. This is also one we'll of those, like, classic cases where the script, like, tells you that the character's a genius, and you just have to believe mm-hmm. it, and then mm-hmm. the whole rest of the movie, the character is an enormous dumbass, and it's like, oh, you know, they're playing, like, 3D chess. Their, you know, their mind is operating <laughs> on a different level. No, she's fucking dumb. And even, like, she's her so little dumb. arguments that she has with her classmates about serial killers, where she's like, oh, Ted Bundy wasn't an organized killer. First of all, poorly researched at best. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. And she was wrong. She was actually wrong. It's just, it's it's an um no situation, and and it's and a wrong um no situation. It's it's the typical mansplaining mansplaining yeah. in a script that you've just like dunked on a woman, and it's just bonkers. Like, yeah, the whole movie is just... And, like, what is up with all the psychiatrist stuff? Why would she go to a psychiatrist? I'm very confused by that. Like, no one told her to go to a psychiatrist. What She's just like, oh, I must be going crazy. But she's not, like, that worried about it. And then there's, like, the whole scene where she, like, contemplates killing her mom, but nothing comes of that. Like, it's just the strangest shit. It's so frustrating. It's it's genuinely frustrating. And, like, I was also just, like, I was confused by it, especially because American Psycho is very deep. Yes. And it's very troubling, and it's very upsetting. And that's the whole point yeah. of American Psycho. Like, I don't have you read the book? No, no. I, I've only seen the movie. I would not recommend it. I felt physically ill no. reading it. It was, it was gross. And, I mean, the movie alone makes you feel... Super disgusting, yeah. right? Like it's a, it that's is a hard a leg movie. cross watching that movie. Yeah, yeah, it is awful. And then this felt like way more of a comedy. Like the music yeah. was just oh, the, the soundtrack music was so weird. Jesus Christ! It. <laughs> it was it was the most quintessentially nineties movie yes. ever with that soundtrack. <laughs> but uh, the hearty does agree. <laughs> <laughs> they also take issue. But yeah, like, everything about this movie just, like, 
goes completely 180 yeah. on the original I mean, American Psycho. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, too, but American Psycho wasn't even really about the murders. It was really a comment on, like, Wall Street and these high-society mm-hmm. New Yorkers and how shallow their lives actually are and all the little mm-hmm. tiny things that they let bother them, like eating at the right restaurants and having these beautiful mm-hmm. wives and having the most beautiful business cards and stuff and, like, yeah. how all of that stuff literally drives this guy crazy and probably some of the murders aren't even real it's just like cocaine fueled revenge fantasy (laughs) uh, against everybody who makes him feel small and powerless which is everyone in this kind of um, environment and it's really interesting and cool and you're like you get to the end and you're like what and then yeah exactly this movie starts and it's like no no all of that was real don't even worry about it it wasn't a comment on society or a cocaine filled nightmare (laughs) he's just crazy you guys and just launches into the most improbable story with a protagonist you don't care about because she's so wildly inconsistent and stupid yeah it's it's like who oh there's just so many parts of this that are just unbelievably like filled with plot holes that make very little sense and you know what i love mila kunis she's a great actress and this is just so upsetting to see her doing and even the the actress who plays cassandra she's in like one of my favorite movies ever cry wolf Mm -hmm. as the protagonist she was an excellent actress like she was the only character actually Mm -hmm. that i like felt any feelings for and she's supposed to be like the slutty blonde we don't care about but even that was just so bad. She's like, she's like proper in love with this dude, which I mean, as you're an 18 year old, you just don't yeah. know the truth anymore. With William but... Shatner, I mean, who among us? I mean, I would, I would fall for him immediately now and I'm 26. <laughs> I mean, it's the Shatner. How do you not love him? <laughs> but yeah, it's just, oh God, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to watch this film and that it exists, but I'm also very angry that it exists. I'm not going to bother with a scene that could have saved it. Or a would you watch it again? <laughs> because I I know the answer to both. Yeah, it's just completely scrapped this whole movie. You know, like you you texted me before we even started. You know, yeah. with this while you were watching it, and you were just like, "This film is is something else, isn't it?" And it is amazing that it even got into production and was yeah. made. It's it, unbelievable. It is up there with American Poltergeist, to be honest. Like in terms yes. of laziness in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think. Obviously, we try to be optimistic about movies, and, you know, we try. We'll, like, even if it's complete garbage, we'll be Mm -hmm. like, well, this dialogue was funny, or, like, the makeup was Mm -hmm. fine, or whatever. But, like, you know, this and American Poltergeist are just... (sighs) serve as real reminders that there are actual good scripts (laughs) out there that never see the light of day because some producer decides it maybe isn't marketable. And then shit like this gets made. You you have to wonder what is happening and and who you know greenlit this film yeah. and gave this film money. You know there are a few things in this world that is a true waste of money, and this is one of those things. Yeah. And it's it, yeah, it's just it baffles the mind that something like this was right uh, was made. And I think you're a hundred percent right. There's just like I can't think of a single thing that I liked about this movie no. except for like maybe looking at Mila Kunis for an hour and a half. She's very but beautiful. But apart from that, she's very, very beautiful. But even calling back to a movie of hers that we've done before, Jupiter Ascending, I would rather watch that oh, a thousand yeah. times oh, in a yeah. row than watch this again. 
it is that bad. And yeah, I there's mean, nothing also because it's lazy on so many levels, right? Like it's about a mm-hmm. serial killer who's like obsessed with serial killers. So you'd think that they'd maybe do some research into, first of all, profiling, since that's the course she's doing, into <laughs> yes. colleges and how that works, um, and into serial killers. They don't do that. The dialogue is garbage. The camera work and mm-hmm. lighting is lazy at best (laughs) very lazy very lazy i can only imagine that much like american psycho the first one this was only Mm -hmm. greenlit by cocaine (laughs) it has to be right it has to just be a cocaine nightmare it's a cocaine fueled nightmare and uh maybe if we'd watched it on cocaine we would have been like oh my god yes you have to murder them yeah well unfortunately my my lawyer cocaine hasn't arrived yet Mm. so uh yeah yeah, unfortunately I couldn't. <laughs> you so... pass the bar and they just hand you like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> I would kind of love that. I mean, it's not really great for uh, for the for the image of our uh, you know profession, but even so, like that would just make my day. I mean, like, I'm I would never sure do it because that's crazy. The but... high end professional podcasters probably indulge a little bit. <laughs> Wow, you're just calling out everyone today. You're just you're just pointing fingers at all the uh, the the high society people. I mean, you're not wrong. Go, Looking come at on, you, NPR, you're... you bunch of cokeheads. <laughs> Don't pretend, Ira Glass. We know you. We've got your number. <laughs> Kids don't do drugs. Come on now. No. It's, a, it's always a bad move. Um, so let's move on. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck um, it. Bye. Fuck it. So, so bye. I'm, I'm glad we've watched this. You know what? I am actually glad we watched this. Yeah, you know what? It's been a while since we watched like a properly, properly terrible mm. movie. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice to see, you know, we, we've made, you know, our, our whole profession, in yeah. quotes, on... On the back of bad movies, <laughs> that Hardy Tar really loves your house. They they <laughs> circle around, and it does not stop at night. Like they just go. Oh my god! Like it's amazing you you get to sleep at night. I'm I very do not lucky miss to it. live in a beautiful neighborhood where often I'm woken by bird song, but sometimes also I am woken <laughs> by the cries of the Hardy Tar. <laughs> The rest of the world will never understand your pain There's because they are just the most obnoxious video. birds. I think when Pharrell Williams was in South Africa, he posted mm-hmm. like a Snapchat of just his very tired face early in the morning and Hadi does going in the <laughs> background and he was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> they are the most frustrating birds in the world. So I mean, they're rude. great and they're giant it's crazy to see them, and my cats used to want to chase them all the time. I don't know if Oliver and Maximus do it, mm-hmm. but my cats loved chasing them. My my cats like to try and stalk them, but the thing is, like, they're the same size as these birds. That's the thing. <laughs> so they just like like they go to real cute. Chance. They act like they're stalking them, and they like sit there and like they'll occasionally do like a little butt wiggle, like they're gonna pounce, but they don't pounce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then eventually the hottie doll like flies off of its own accord and the cats are like yeah you better run i was gonna <laughs> pounce could you imagine how great that picture would be of your cat just being taken away to wherever the hottie doll is going and now becoming a, a, a child of that hottie doll i live in because that is the only fear. way that story ends 
It could happen. There was it like an happen. eagle flying around here uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh my ago. god. Um, it was, you know, pretty medium sized, so it probably couldn't have carried my cats mm-hmm. away. It was very majestic and beautiful, but I was like, Dude, is this something I need to worry about? Like, is something going to yeah. carry away my fucking cats? That's terrifying. Yeah. Good lord. It was very majestic, actually. It was very exciting and beautiful. There are also a couple of owls in the neighborhood, and sometimes oh, at night lovely. you can do a little hoo-hoo. Oh, it's real fun. so nice. Yeah. Always be careful of owls, though. Um, make sure they never land on your roof. It was very, like, I love this spooky story, and it <laughs> happened to me, which makes it even better. Um, so when my grandmother was in hospital, um, their owls used to visit her, like, used to just come onto the roof oh. every day that she was in hospital. Every night, just one owl, one owl, one owl. Except for the night that she died, where there was no owl. Huh. Yeah. Very real. It was spooky as shit. So if I see a, an owl on my roof, I'm just like, huh? <laughs> my time has come. My time has come. Someone in this house. So we move every time an owl <laughs> lands on our roof. It's very expensive, but very worth it. <laughs> I'm going to live forever. These owls are never going to catch me. <laughs> so, Simone, what is your optimistic thing for this week? My optimistic thing for this week is... Rudy. It is his birthday tomorrow, as of recording. Happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday, Rudy! But yeah, he has just been such an angel during lockdown. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been a wreck. (laughs) And he's just been so lovely and supportive and so sweet and such a comfort. So it's just a little Rudy appreciation moment. Oh, lovely. We we love the Rudy. So, you know, he's, he's he's helped us so much in the podcast, and then he's just so good to you. So... Big love to that guy. Hmm. Massive love to that guy. Oh, yeah. very nice. And what's your optimistic thing for the week? Uh, so I've got a couple things. Uh, so we'll go for the first one, which is, uh, as of recording, it is Father's Day here in the UK. Mm. So happy Daddy's Day. Happy Daddy's Day. It's Father's happy Day, Daddy Day everywhere to all else the... too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's weird because isn't yeah, Mother's usually Day on different days up. in different countries? Very weird. Okay. Well, happy mm. Father's Day to my dad, to Simone's dad, to all the dads out there. Yeah. We hope you're having a, a wonderful Father's Day. Um, so so that's always an optimistic thing to be happy about. Um, my university that I'm going to in September sent me a tea bag uh, with the note that said, um, get your first taste of your future. And I was just like, that is the most adorable thing. That is such cute marketing. Right? How clever is that? It was just like a normal cup of tea, but it was like in a little, you know, University of Law tea bag, and Mm -hmm. it was just, you know, really adorable. I mean, the packet looked like a condom packet, so I was just like, well, this is weird. And then I opened it, and it was a tea bag. (laughs) So I was like, Were you like, oh, they're making some (laughs) assumptions about my college experience? (laughs) So either they're saying that I'm going to have sex, like, once, because mm-hmm. there's only one condom, which, I mean, to be fair, would be would be lovely, you know, as as it always is. Um, but that, or they're saying, you're about to get fucked, because this car is very <laughs> difficult. And I would have appreciated that, too, because that's funny. Um, but it was a teabag, which I thought was really, really sweet. Or they're telling you how busy you're going to be, and they're like, you get to have sex once during this course. <laughs> Choose wisely. <laughs> you know it could be all three you never know you never know um but no it was it was a lovely cup of tea and i had it this morning it was very tasty and i did get a taste of my future and it was very nice mm. yeah did it taste like success it did taste like success um i'm very excited for my packet of co- t- cocaine next though. <laughs> you know this is the real taste of your future <laughs> i'm so excited for you <laughs> 
I mean, you're going to share in it. It will be bountiful and plentiful Ooh. for all my friends. Yeah. <laughs> you say that now, but once you get a taste, you might not want to share. You know, I'm, I'm a very giving person, so I wouldn't say that. You need that energy, with my Chad. Cocaine. That's true. That is true. Hence the one condom. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Simone, I was thinking okay. next week. Okay. And you may absolutely poo-poo this idea if you have something better. But I am thinking bad musicals week. And I've got a choice of four. Okay, okay, because I was about to say, like, we've struggled to find bad musicals in the past. Oh, we've got a range. Okay. We've got a range. Okay, I'm down for musicals. All right, so here we go. Here's the four that we can choose from. Okay. Burlesque, which is the Cher Christina Aguilera phenomenon. Did it do poorly? 36%. (gasps) I love burlesque. (laughs) Okay, so we're doing burlesque. Okay, so that was that was very easy. We're okay. doing burlesque then. Um, we got Rock of Ages with the Tom Cruise. Uh, that got 42%. Oh, okay. We got Spice World, which is a Spice Girls mm-hmm. musical, mm-hmm. which I just think sounds delightful. Yeah. Uh, that got 35%. And then I know you said we would never do it, but I'm bringing it up now. Cats, 21%. Absolutely not. I'm not ready to watch Cats again. I'm not in the mental... emotional headspace to be able to handle cats it might be the straw that breaks the camel's back on my sanity okay okay since you were really excited about burlesque and you're gonna clearly be doing burlesque i would prefer to do rock of ages while i am interested in seeing spice world i might just do that of my own accord yeah um but i am very interested in rock of ages so yeah let's do okay cool burlesque and rock of ages that sounds like a fun week it does, it does. I love a good musical, and I, I even prefer a bad musical, so that sounds <laughs> wonderful. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all your time, yeah. and, uh, you know, we hope you enjoy what we bring to the to the table and the optimism that we, we try to bring in these vastly contrasting mm-hmm. movies that we've done today. Uh, and if you've got any thoughts on American Psycho 2, if you are someone out there, if there is anyone who has seen American Psycho 2, please Let write into us. us. We're know. dying to know if you exist. Uh, and where, the, where can the people do that, Simone? They can talk to us on Facebook or Instagram at Fresh Tomatoes Podcast, on Twitter at Fresh Tomatoes MP. We are retweeting some fire tweets. We are getting in the controversy by just retweeting smarter people than us. <laughs> <laughs> they can also watch our YouTube and see videos of our recordings raw, unedited, hear all our awkward pauses and us laughing at each other for being wildly unprofessional. <laughs> Guys, you have no idea how good it is. Burps, really dumb comments that we just need to erase. Stumbling and mumbling, which is just sort of where we live all the time. You're gonna love it. <laughs> and then, of course, they can email us at freshtomatospodcast at gmail.com. Boom. And while you're on the internet, guys, please leave us a rating and a review. I know we say it every week. I know you hear it from all your podcasts that you listen to. Yes. But it genuinely does help us yes. get up the, the rankings, and that's what we want. We could go the route of some other podcasts and pay for people to rate and review us and then climb the charts that way. But A, who would do that? And B, we don't have the money. <laughs> We're broke. We're broke. So, you know, helping us out by getting us uh, more, more listens would actually help us not be broke which will be lovely Uh, and as we say at the end of every week we love you and there's nothing you can do about it we love you and there's nothing you can do about it bye
Hey Simone, you're a huge nerd, aren't you? I guess I am. I'd like to think so. So what if I told you there was a place, right? Now, mm -hmm. just expand your mind. Now, okay. we're in the 21st century. Things are crazy. There's this magical thing called the internet, right? Oh. What if I told you there's a place on this magical web, this world wide web, <laughs> where you can get all the things you love about the nerdy pop culture stuff that you enjoy the most in sort of a box. One could call it a crate even. Oh. Uh, and all you have to do is, in exchange for money, uh, you give them money and they send you a box of all your favorite pop culture stuff every month. What would you say to that? You mean that I don't have to go and shop for individual memorabilia items and waste my whole weekend? Not at all. They will do this for you. This company, this magical place that creates this crate of loot, a loot crate even, <laughs> uh, will package all the items for you and send them to your door in exchange for money. How magical is that? That sounds too magical. And what if I added to the deal? What if I were a proper salesman and I said to you, if you entered a special code, you could get 15% off on any of these loot crates that you so wished? Well, I'd have to know what this code is. Right? So this is not just for you. This is not just a secret between you and me. This is for our listeners as well. If you go to Loot Crate following the link in all of our show notes on any episode and type in the code ROBOTSRADIO, you'll get 15% off any of your purchases. 50% off all your Loot Crates. All you have to do is go to the code in our show notes, enter the code ROBOTSRADIO, radio and you'll get that 15% off. That sounds amazing. Guys, why don't you click that link right now so that they know we sent you. So guys, go to that link, enter that code. Thank you. Goodbye. We love you. Bye. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.